Hello everyone, it's Friday the 28th of July and welcome to episode 165 of the Kite Podcast with me, Will Evans. And me, Ben Eagle. Now, if you've been listening to the pod over the last few weeks, I think you'll agree that it's fair to say there's been quite a bit of doom and gloom recently. And even though we can't change the situation, sadly, we can do our best to shine a light on some positive things that are going on in dairy especially when it comes to the enthusiasm of the next generation. And we're saying this because in her soapbox moment last week, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to the end of last week's episode, uh, producer Becky outlined this in full. And so to cheer ourselves up this week, as well as to prove that Becky wasn't lying, her words, not mine, we're profiling a new entrant to the industry who exemplifies everything that Becky was talking about. Joining us today is Yorkshire dairy farmer Mary Dent, who has recently joined her family's business. We're also joined by Kite consultant Elliot Greenfield, who's based in Cumbria and works alongside the North team. Our podcast producer and senior consultant at Kite, Becky Leach, is with us. And as always, we're joined by everybody's favourite dairy market analyst, Chris Auckland. Chris, over to you. Milk market report time. Where are you this week? Well, no sooner had our farming minister, Frank Spencer, sorry, Mark Spencer, waffled on about new legislation coming in the dairy sector, which we spoke about last week, than a miracle has happened, ladies and gentle podcast listener. The proposed legislation, the statutory instrument, as they call it, has come out of the woodwork at last. So I'm bringing you my report from Westminster again, where it's all going to be kicking off again soon. I've not seen a copy of the legislation, but I've had a few conversations about it. And it is, I think, pretty much in line with what we expected. I did ask the question whether it guaranteed certainty and stability on pricing, as the minister promised at the Great Yorkshire Show, which was my major gripe against it. But it doesn't. There isn't a single mention of either word in the document. Fancy that. But is it workable? Well, some people who've seen it say it might be. There's enough wriggle room on pricing to keep the processes happy. But I did ask whether the new laws would leverage greater pricing muscle for dairy farmers. Not really, I was told. But others were concerned about the complaints process and what that might bring. Half of the document is apparently about it and appeals and reviews. Overall, though, I'm told it's not nearly as bad as the nonsense DEFRA was once suggesting. But whether it will change much, we will see. So to the markets and where are we this week? Are things any better? Well. Maybe. Silence the kids. Switch off the tractor. Turn up your hearing aid, Becky. Have I got news for you? The GDT Pulse auction was level, so at least that didn't fall again. But because prices recently on the New Zealand futures market have fallen back, traders reckon Fonterra will have to drop its price prediction again soon. No surprise there. But is there some positive news on Chinese imports? 
Well, traders do have mixed views, it seems, but powder sales into China were up in June. So that's a positive. Cumulative imports so far this year are down 10% compared to last year. At the start of the year, they were down 45%. We can't get overly excited just yet. Steve Spencer from Fresh Agenda in Australia, who we have on the podcast every now and again, is reporting, though, that total global trade, not just China, increased 9% in milk solids terms uh, or milk solids equivalent basis in May. So up 9%. So that's a positive, I think. And when I asked him to rank his trade numbers on a good news scale of 1 to 10, one being rubbish and 10 fabulous, he said it was a five at best. Still, given aspects of the market have been a one or less, his five is pretty good. So things may be looking up on the trade front. In Europe, though, Dutch prices are down again. No surprise there as spot prices were higher than the Dutch quotation last week. It's now trading for 4,350 euros, which is probably where the market is. But some traders are now marking butter, cream and skim powder up. Yes, folks, up on what it was in a possible indication traders may have driven prices down too far. They're not up much yet, and we can't tell on one week's worth of figures. But if prices are better this week than last, then it's a start. But the market is very thin and there's not a lot moving. So it could do uh, could be due to do with a few trades skewing the market. Uh, cream here is about where it was in the low to mid 160s at best. So no major change there. On the futures, well, let's have a look at these because they've been down consistently for five or six weeks now. So New Zealand butter is, no pause for dramatic effect. Sorry, scrub that bit, Will. New Zealand butter is up a lot, 120 euros equivalent. New Zealand skim milk powder is up a lot, 90 euros. Whole milk powder there is up moderately, 40 euros. EU butter is up a lot, 80 euros. Skim powder up 70 euros. So the five-week run of losses has come to an end. And I would summon the Kite Podcast buglers to sound a fanfare at this point. Things have been so gloomy for so long, we've had to furlough them. Alas, though, there's no trumpet fanfaronada. Yes, that really is a word. I've never used it before in the podcast or even in my whole life. It doesn't exist. It's not in Yorkshire. So there's no fanfaronada for UK cheddar. That is not on the up. There are some very cheap mile parcels knocking around. And the cheese price has fallen again to 3400 so that's down £200 in a month. 
If you supply a cheesemaker and you want to know what that means, then the returns are going to be over 30p, just not much over it. But at least it's better than the returns from butter and skim milk powder, AHDB's gross ampy figure for July gross was 29.6p, down 3p on June, and the first time it has dropped below 30p since December 2020. The farm gate return on that is going to be about 26p. Well, I have been telling you. Now, finally, spot milk is also about the same mid to high 30p. So there you are, still not a brilliant market, but some signs that it is better than it was. Now, I might not be here next week as I'm on holiday, and I think you all need a holiday from me. But if things are on the up again, I might pop my nose around the door and let you know. If anyone's interested in my holiday, I'm going to a beautiful paradise island full of wild and rugged scenery and even wilder and rugged people. Island, to be precise. We're going to see all their lovely cows. If all the government shoots them. I'll even raise a glass of the black stuff to you all. And the better prospects when I get back. Goodbye. Thank you, Chris. Uh, nice to clearly, hear a positivity for once. Yeah, but clearly it needs a week's rest after giving so much positivity. <laughs> okay. Um, Mary, welcome to the podcast. Can you introduce your family's farm, first of all, and, and tell us a bit about it? How many cows do you have and how long has the business been in the family? Hello. So we have 510 cows. We farm near Jero Abbey in Wensleydale and 850 sheep as well. The family farm's been in for we're the third generation of me and Michael. And the cows, they average 12,400 litres with 1,000 kilograms of fat and protein. And we moved down to this farm 30 years ago where we used to have a little dairy farm up at Walden, up in the hills in North Yorkshire. Wow. Okay, so you're pretty busy then. Um, yeah. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Did you always want to come back to the family farm? and um, And... Sorry. Why, why did you decide to do it? Why did you decide to be part of the family business? So I started off wanting to be a primary school teaching assistant. So I did that for a year, but I'd always like do the passports and the rotor and that for the farm. And then I did that for a year and it wasn't for me. So I decided to come back then after that. Right, okay. So did you, when you were growing up, did you want to be part of the farm in business? Did you want to be a farmer or were you always wanting to be a teacher? teaching assistant well, I wanted to be a teacher but I always had that bit of farming like I'd milk every Saturday and do that sort of thing so yeah. I always was in the farm but never wanted to be fully committed right okay so when you were at school how much of your time was spent doing things on the farm so I'd milk maybe twice a week whilst I was at school but we had someone else doing the rotor and stuff like that when I was at school. But I'd like sign the passports and get all them ready and make sure they were right. Yeah, okay. So you're pretty involved then. So when um, you left school, um, what was your career's advice experience? <clears throat> and, and was there anything about the agricultural sector in that advice? So a lot of people I went to school with went to the farming college at Penrith. 
but I didn't yeah. join them in going there. But I sort of wish I had done now. <laughs> Looking back, it would have been the right move for me, probably. But. I was just going to ask, do you think what you did with the teaching assistant role, your sort of training on that front, brought anything different, you know, gave you any different skills that then you've brought back to the farm? I think being a teaching assistant makes you a lot more patient. So you have, you have like a lot more patience from doing that. That makes sense. Yeah. And you'll be good at teaching people to do stuff, which when you're bringing new team members onto the farm or, you know, trying to yeah, train so them milking. When you're training people, you're a lot more patient because you know that some people have never milked a cow before, whereas like before they'd probably just be like, oh, get on and do it, where you have to like slow it down and step by step. So I think it's brought stuff like that. Forward. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very interesting transferable skill, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Any, <laughs> Any teaching assistants out there you want to transfer into ag? Um, you're, you're farming alongside your brother, Michael. Um, so just interested in who does what on the farm and, and whether you have sort of set, defined roles and responsibilities. So Michael's a lot more hands-on. He'll like do cow's feet, serve cows and that sort of thing. But where Michael fails is he's not very good at writing things down. So I'm like going in after him, writing what, down what he's been doing, etc. So like cow's feet, he'll sort of write it down on a whiteboard, then I'll go and put it all into the computer. <laughs> so so but you also do, Mary, when we were speaking, you do all the like the rotors, you're doing a little bit of the um sort of ordering and, and buying stuff. I think dad still does a bit of buying, but Yeah, so I'd class my main job as like in charge of the rotor and paying like all our staff and sorting all of them out. But you and Michael sound like you work really nicely together. So he he has one set of skills that he does, some of the practical farm stuff, and then you're, you know, you sort of support each other. You need him and he needs you by the sounds of yeah. things. Yeah, it works quite well. <laughs> A good duo. What about the succession side? Because clearly your your parents have allowed space for you, for both of you to come and work in the business. How, how did you manage that as a family? to be fair dad's very good at like on a morning he'll give us set jobs to do so he'll be like this this and this and this. but like we can always say oh well, we need to do this and then he just lets us go off and do other jobs on top of the jobs he's giving us sort of thing um elliot uh now there are probably quite a lot of people in the generation i've got to be careful here that, that you me and becky and will <laughs> maybe um <laughs> A part of who, who chose to explore other areas of the ag sector um, away from family farms, um, having sort of gone through that uh, really difficult time or seen it uh, in the 90s, early 2000s in particular, the, the knock on effects that that had. Um, so I'm just interested in your view of whether the outlook has changed over the past 10 to 15 years, which might draw more people like Mary and Michael back to their family, fa- uh, their family farms um, at an earlier stage. Yeah, I think the outlook is probably a lot more positive um, than what it was, Ben. Um, and I think there's a lot more opportunities out there than there probably was to start with. So I think we looked at it several years ago, you know, when I was going through um, university and leaving school, that you you either had to go back to the family business, they were the options. If you look now, all the, all the ancillary industries that are allied to um, either the dairy sector or the other sectors in agriculture, that there's so many opportunities out there. Yeah. Um, 
you know, whether that be in what we do, so in consulting or in the feed industry, you look at genetics, you know, there's even solicitors now, you know, you've got an, you've got an agricultural sector for that. You, you, there's all sorts of opportunities out there. Um, but I, I think that's brought a lot about a lot of positivity, that you don't just have to go back to the family business. There's so many more opportunities out there. I think the picture on farm looks so much um better now than it did at one point you know we've had a few really good years haven't we um, yeah and, and so when you know when you're coming out of a rough time and you've seen family members dad and mum and granddad and grandma when you've seen them struggle it doesn't look like a particularly appetizing place to go but actually you know things have been pretty good or um you know very good last year and and pretty good for quite a few years now that you know it looks like a more appealing place to come back to I'm interested, Mary, what, um, you know, you went away and you did your teaching assistant um, role, and then I think you've been back in the business three years now. Is that right? Yeah. What what sort of, what pulled you back? Because it's a funny old pull is agriculture, isn't it? There's something in you that, you know, once once you're in the fold, it's it's a really hard um, habit to kick (laughs) almost. Yeah, I guess it's just like being outside and with the role that I do, I'm not outside all the time. So I get like a mixture of being in the office, being outside. It's just quite a nice little job. Yeah. And enjoy working with cows. Yeah, they're all right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I really like enjoy working with heifers and being to them outside when they're outside at the minute and that getting moved around to where they need to be. That logistics role is quite important, isn't it? Yeah, it's very important. Are they, are they easier easier than working with kids? Yeah, a lot easier than working with kids. <laughs> <laughs> Can't argue that. <laughs> Everything's easier than working with kids. Um, yeah, I just there's lots of people, and Ben, you, you'll have spoken to a lot of people with your with your own podcast, and I did when I was doing mine as well. There's lots of people who went away and worked in completely different careers, and then, yeah. as Becky said, that kind of pull hit them when they maybe got into their 30s you know like when their parents had no succession and they were trying to make the decision that you know what do we do now do we retire do we sell the farm and their kids suddenly realized they didn't want that to happen (laughs) came back to the farm then with a with a whole massive set of skills from other industries and i think that's that's um it's probably quite a good thing isn't it that that fresh perspective i guess i guess um you know you would you would have done that mary i I guess to an extent but there there are a lot of people in agriculture have done that as well isn't there i'm just coming in on that actually i'm I'm always surprised how many people there are as well you you speak to a lot of people who who have had this complete sometimes a completely different career path but whatever that is they seem to be able to transfer those skills into ag in some way yeah yeah definitely um, Elliot, there's also a new generation of kite consultants coming through um, with an amazing range of expertise and knowledge. Uh, Offs. Becky- <laughs> Can you guess who rather who, who the word into that question? <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously. Uh, kite must be, seriously, it must be quite an exciting place to be at the moment moving forwards. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, kites are obviously an exciting place. We've got a great team of people. That's probably the main thing of what makes it great and exciting to be, you know, we're on this, we're on, we're all in it together as Becky always states. And, you know, I think is, um, 
we all take that on board. It, it, it's a, a big wide family. We all get on fantastically. That makes things easier, especially, you know, at the moment, the dairy sector is an interesting, it's in an interesting place at the moment. I think that's mm-hmm. probably a polite way of putting it. Um, but we have a positive outlook and we're always, you know, we try to be positive. You've got to be positive for our clients. Uh, you've got to, you know, the previous few podcasts have been pretty doom and gloom. Um, and it's nice to have a bit of a positive swing back now. And I think if you look at the, you know, we look at the outlook for the for the dairy industry, it is positive. Yeah. Um, you look over that uh, over a period, and you know, we get to work with the people that we've just spoken about. Um, probably, yeah, more so uh, the likes of us and that generation. And it's nice to see that generation come through. Um, some that I went to university with that I'm, I'm, I'm working with now, and and you know, seeing them take on the family business is a yeah, and, and help them alongside. Yeah, yeah. That 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 um, it really does come across as someone who, I guess, doing the podcast, it does come across it. It's an exciting place. But seriously, now I'm not just saying this; it does. And <laughs> like when you see the posts you do on social media and things as well, it it, it does. Yeah, you can tell that it's an exciting place and fun place to work. Mm-hmm. Um, Kite is starting a new discussion group as well called Kite Accelerators, which is all about accelerating the level of knowledge for the next generation coming into family businesses. Um, Mary's brother, Michael, is going to be part of that group. Um, Elliot, tell us tell us about the group and its purpose. Um, so we've got our first, it's something we sort of, we've, we've thought about for six months now, um, probably slightly longer, maybe even into the, the late sort of period of last year. Um, and, and we thought there's a big gap here um, of people that are taking on these businesses, the people that we've just spoken about, and they've they've got the knowledge. Some of them have come back to the, the businesses already, or they haven't left. They've gone and done the other things that we spoke about earlier on in the podcast this morning. But it's really about trying to get them together um, and and get them ready to take on and take that further step within their own businesses when they're coming home. Um, and 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 just get a good discussion group together of them people uh, and and have a bit of benchmarking in there so they can benchmark and and go through and that, so they don't feel like they're they're so alone uh, when when you know when they go forward and take on take on the business further. Um, so yeah, our first meeting is at the end of August on farm. The idea is get people together, have a sort of a bit of a a bit of a social just get a break the ice you know these people are from uh it's the north of england some into scotland right down to sort of the south coast of england um and into wales so it, it there's a there's a good dynamic there there'd be a lot to talk about but the likelihood is that most of them won't know each other so really just break the ice the first time get out on farm do something that they enjoy get them in their own environment and, and and bring that back into the the afternoon of the first day and into the second day of having a bit of a wider discussion about what we've seen what they can do what they can take away and do on farm and discuss what they want from the group and where they'd like to take that further and what they'd like to get out of it going forward and really hope to build something and build some friendships in there for them and a bit of support for them going forward those oh. networks are so important aren't they what's what's the age range of the of the group so Adrian, we, we, we've set off being quite tight on this and we said, all right, we'll go from sort of 20 to 30. But I think we've got 
Correct me if I'm wrong, Becky. I think we've got we are now twenty to thirty-one or thirty-two, potentially slip back a little Look, bit. Don't, let's not exclude us slightly over thirties <laughs> from these young groups. That's all but, I'll say. I wasn't. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna pick up on that. But I was quite offended when you pulled me into the same age bracket this morning, Ben. As um, <laughs> God, I feel ancient now. <laughs> I think. Um, I think you picked up on a point there. I mean, age is. I would say age is possibly less relevant when you think about the aim of the group it's to accelerate accelerate their progress through their family businesses yeah so instead of having to chew through and learn the hard way which you know some of us have have been through you know what we're trying to do is is give them a step up and an outside perspective and it's really interesting will when you talk about the network bit because it you know whether it's a benchmarking discussion group or whether it's um you know been part of the OFC family or Nuffield or the network and the connections and when you look at um you know when you look at potentially the next 12 months that we've got ahead of us or that six months that we've had and, and this you know six or nine months that we've got ahead those network and connections and support network really come into their own then don't they you know that they become really important for um supporting each other when we need it um, yeah. Talking of networks, um, is, is this a segue? This may be the segue. There's, there's, there's a good network within well, Pipe. That, that's what I was sort of trying to get towards. Oof, so professional. Um, does that work? I think that works. <laughs> um, so, uh, Becca, I mean, we were talking when we were sort of thinking about this episode about the Kite team itself. And of course, you've got, uh, we were alluding to earlier, you've got this new generation um, of consultants coming through. Uh, but also you've got this this range uh, of, of generations within the <laughs> Kite family um, from from people like Elliot to, to people like John. Um, uh, so w- what do you think are the benefits of having that diversity within the team? You realise John's going to listen to this and know exactly what you mean, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> as polite as that question was. Um, well, I, uh, the context that I was thinking about was actually Mary and her family business and this this sort of multi-generational thing and and actually the benefits that that brings and the the same echoes true whether you're talking about you know Clifford and and his having Mary and Michael his his daughter and and son in the farm business or whether you're talking about uh our uh patriarch uh John Allen and and you know having Elliot yeah and and some of the the um the younger ones in the business I suppose the the senior generation are the uh, you know they've been there they've done that they've they've seen certainly from a dairy sector perspective they've seen some of the volatility haven't they they've got a huge amount of knowledge and experience that they've inevitably just built up over time um and they're the sort of safe and guiding pair of hands aren't they yeah. that that sort of you know wrap around you and 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 you know, keep keep things on the track and and keep pointing you in the the right direction when you need it. Bring a huge amount of you know wisdom to <clears throat> to um and, and yeah to, to some of the decision making. And then you've got the benefit of this youth and enthusiasm. You know, the new ideas that come with you know people who want to um, have an impact. You know, same in a farm business. Mary and Michael have you know have come back to the farm. Yes, there's a period of settling and getting used to things but you know Mary and I were talking yesterday you know there's some ideas that that Mary and Michael have have brought back as well you've got a whole different skill set haven't you you know 
and and with respect there's some really great uh some senior members of the kite team who were you know absolute whiz kids and far outdo me on a computer but you know technology and data is absolutely second nature to to Elliot's generation (laughs) I will say um uh and you know thinking about Mary you you have another set of skill set that you know people um the, the element of people and organisation that maybe has come through more latterly in school. I don't know. School used to be really academic, didn't it? And I think now it's a bit wider, a bit more holistic about what they try to teach the next generation. So they come up, come out with a different perspective. And then if you think about, again, I don't think I've got on my soapbox now. This is going to be fail. Becky's <laughs> oh, soapbox. This is a new, a new feature. It's like that ding-a-ling that we used to have for John. Great feature. Um. When you think about the new people that are coming into businesses, so when, you know Mary and I were talking yesterday about what the rotors look like and and what the team look like. You know, you you have you can represent all people, can't you? And, and mm. you know that's that's age, that's sex, that's you know all the other equality and diversity factors. You know, if people feel like they're represented, then then they feel like they fit, don't they? I'll get off. <laughs> no, really good. Really good points. Um, Mary, uh, how positive are you about the long-term outlook for dairy uh, and for your farm business? Yeah, fairly positive. It's like I was saying to Becky yesterday, we're like now genomic testing the heifers, so we're only like breeding the best ones to heifers now, so we're just going up, hopefully. Fantastic. <laughs> Could take a drop, but at the minute, things are going fairly well. Touch yeah. Wood. So you feel like it's an exciting place to be at the moment, the industry? Yeah. Yeah. You were saying that Michael had brought in, you know, he'd started doing the AI at home. Was that right, Mary? Yeah, Michael does all the AI at home. So we get to listen to his prog rate every week, see if that's dropping (laughs) or going up. (laughs) That's quite an important conversation that you're clearly having, isn't it? You know, because there there can be a challenge, and again, in the kind business, about how do you then, you know, when one person was in charge of everything, i.e. your dad, um, you know, everything comes back to that person and they have a really good handle, don't they? Whereas now you were talking about, you know, when you get together on a morning, you've got your list of stuff, Michael's got his list of stuff, dad's got his list of stuff, and you basically have a bit of a chat about who's doing what, what what top trumps, you know, the other's list, basically, to, as to, to what you're going to be doing today. So, you know, you were saying beginning of the month's busier busier for you and, and you know. Yeah, so the bit... I start the month very busy because I have to get everything off to the accountants and all that, etc. Whereas Michael has like his day-to-day jobs. And then we have another th- two lads, three lads working for us full-time as well. So they have their responsibilities to do as well. So it's very, everyone needs a job. <laughs> okay. So where do you see the future of your family's business, Mary? Where, where would you like to, to be with it in 10, 20 years' time? I don't know whether we should have any more cows than that, but I can see it like just going like the cows performing better and just everything picking up that little bit more. But yeah, I don't think we'll have any more cows. <laughs> I think there's a marginal gains bit, isn't there? That you know, we we were talking about um there's obviously limitations on or potentially limitations environmentally on cow numbers going forward. Um, you know, we'll you just you know part of the genomic testing part of you managing some of the health and repro 
in-house is about driving performance of the farm forward without necessarily having to have more cows. Elliot, just to finish with you, where do you see the opportunities for young people, particularly in dairy going forward? You know, what what impact is this new generation going to have um, in the next few years? I think what is in from this new generation that they don't just have to come to a, back to a family business. They don't even have to have come from a family farming business. I think we're seeing a lot of people now, not necessarily from a from a farming background. Mm. Um, so I think there's going to be massive opportunities there. If you look at people, you know, succession is a major thing that we've just spoken about. Luckily, you know, we've spoken to Mary this morning and they've got some succession coming back to their business, but that isn't the case across across the board. So I think there's going to be massive opportunities there for people, you know, either going share farming, contract farming, taking on tenancies. I think we're going to see a, a lot more of that going forward. And it's going to give these people a, a chance that, wouldn't necessarily have had one otherwise to be able to have a farming business but that's not just to say that they've got to go back and and farm we spoke earlier about there's there's massive opportunities in the ancillary industries that are widely connected to agriculture yeah okay much to look forward to that's all we have time for today but a very big thank you to our guests mary dent elliot greenfield chris walkland and podcast producer becky leach Yes, thank you very much for listening to this much more positive episode, which has been nice. Please see the show notes for more information, including our podcast disclaimer. We'll be back with you next week. But for now, it's goodbye from all of us here.